I, I sort of think if you gave me a megaphone, I'd just walk down Catford High Street in Lewisham screaming about epilepsy care. Hello, Hamatafians. Welcome back to Epilepsy Sparks Insights. Now, epilepsy nurses form a key, highly valued part of care and treatment for heaps of people with an epilepsy. Today, we chat with the core epilepsy specialist nurse, Neil Williamson, who works with people who have very severe epilepsies with very, very complex, profound and multiple learning disabilities. Neil shares with us why reaching out to patients and families affected in this way, being flexible and going above and beyond, is what is needed to make a real difference to people's quality of life. Now on to our star of the week, epilepsy specialist nurse, Neil Williamson. I've been a children's nurse for about 23 years, I think, uh, at last count. And I started, uh, wanted to be a cancer children's nurse because my nephew had cancer. And then um, I went to a brain injury rehab unit and became a brain injury nurse and loved neurology and fell in love with people with brains because I love like people that are a bit different. Um, and I enjoy the thing about neurology about helping people and kind of looking at solutions of how they can better improve their quality of life then i worked in in neurology in a big hostel in london and then i became um i worked in a hospice and i became a young adult transition lead in east london and i set up a service for young adults moving from childhood to adulthood with very complex needs lots of them with neurological problems then i became a Tourette syndrome nurse specialist then i became an epilepsy nurse specialist in south london um and uh and now i run a training business and i work as a clinical trainer so yeah that's what i do <laughs> and i was designing computer games before that so i'm very um yeah very a bit off the wall and you also uh play a role uh, with drive uk i believe uh, for those who don't know drive uk is one of the or the leading organization for the rare epilepsy drive syndrome right so, so sending channel mutation one A epilepsy, genetic epilepsy, um, and yeah, I've been a trustee. I was on the medical advisory board and I became a trustee. And it's an amazing charity um, that helps a lot of families who live with very, very serious epilepsy. So, with your your current private business, I guess you have the flexibility to go around and see individual families and people with an epilepsy. So, I think it all started with me being asked to go and visit a girl and another a young girl with epilepsy in part of the country to talk to her parents about epilepsy. They didn't feel they had a lot of epilepsy input and they wanted to um, have a chat and talk about things and look at care planning. And then um, their manager, their case manager, spoke to another case manager who then rang me and said, I hear you're really good. Would you come and speak to this people? Because they don't have any epilepsy people either. And I suddenly realized that actually like 70% of the country, I think around 70, 74% of the country has a pediatric epilepsy nurse specialist um, at the last national audit. But actually, we still got like a quarter of the country that isn't covered. So now I started to realize that actually, wow, like maybe there's a role for someone like me who's got the expertise to go and help families who haven't got an epilepsy nurse. So that's kind of the basis. And then the pandemic and then back to the hospital for a bit. And then, um, yeah, that's been ongoing. Uh, so lots of training of carers, lots of trainings of families, um, sessions with siblings about how they feel about their brother or sister's epilepsy, that kind of stuff. How do you divide your role then? So, so is it kind of like a per case per family basis where you speak to we you often liaise directly with the patient if they're able to communicate effectively because obviously some people are nonverbal, right absolutely so a lot of a lot of the children that i do by the nature of who would employ me have children that have very very complex profound multiple learning disabilities and very severe epilepsies and wouldn't be able to have that discussion necessarily or, or even be old enough to because a lot of them are children some are adults um so basically cases are brought to me um by case managers who work with these families and then they ask me if i'd like to if i can get involved and if and what work 
work they want me to do. So sometimes it's initial assessments and just looking at like the house, looking at risk and safety, talking about what epilepsy looks like and how we should be supporting people with epilepsy to really trying to get them to be brave about doing stuff. Like we talk about a lot about, you know, make sure that people aren't not doing things because they think they shouldn't because they've got epilepsy and actually doing stuff because actually you can do most things. Um, and I think people sometimes just need someone to say that. Um, and like, yeah, then care planning, maybe there's training sessions for carers and parents and for brothers and sisters and stuff and other family members, nannies, granddads, that kind of stuff. Au pairs, nannies, you know, whoever really like, um, cause I, in my NHS job, I was the same, right? Is that, um, I found lots of nurses who are like, well, I will train the family, but I, and the school, but I will not train anyone else, anybody. <laughs> And I'm like, what, what, what do you mean? Well, I'm not going to some scout group. And I, and I sort of think, well, hang on a minute. The child goes to scouts, right? The child wants to go to scouts. The child has the right to go to scouts. The child should go to scouts. Okay. So if that means that me or someone like me has to go to the scout team leaders and meet with them and go, this is Buckle Madazan, this is what you do, then that's what we do, man. Like, this is a holistic job. The job is not to just get them in and get them out. This is not surgery. It's not some surgical procedure where people come and go. This is about the person's life at the very core. What is going to help them live the best quality of life? And if that means I've got to cycle somewhere nine miles away to go see someone at the wrong time, I'll go do it. Because that, if that's the thing that unlocks their ability to go and do something, that's what we're doing. So to me, I was more of like, I'll do a few hours today and then because I'm going somewhere to talk to people tonight, or I'll go, you know, universities, employers, clubs, whatever. Because you've got to go where the epilepsy is. Which is kind of everywhere, really, right? Right, of course. So, <laughs> so, so, so what it is, is people sit in the hospital and go, okay, I'll wait for them to come to me. Mm. Well, that's reactive. So you're waiting for them to have a seizure before you meet them. And it's not productive because it's not all about seizures. Exactly. So the point is, you might have someone with epilepsy who never comes in the hospital because they're really well controlled, or but they still need help, right? So, so I was always sort of outward facing, uh, which is like I'm in the hospital, but I want to be out there because that's where life is. So I want to go out there and go to all these places and meet all these people and teach all these people stuff. You know, I I sort of think if you gave me a megaphone, I'd just walk down Catford High Street in Lewisham screaming about epilepsy care because I'll that, join you, mate. That's well, fine. Of course you would. Of course you would. Yeah. We should all do that because in the end. Everyone, I guarantee everyone knows somebody who's got epilepsy, whether they know they've got epilepsy or not, right? So, right. So the point is, is, is like with my work now, if I, if someone came to me and said, Neil, we are a charity organization and we really want some help, I would do everything I could to help them. And whether that would, you know, I'm not saying like I, there are times when I haven't been paid for stuff. There's times when I work out really big discounts, you know, whatever. In the end, I want to improve people's quality of life that live with epilepsy and complex needs. And I want to do that. Now, I have to earn a living, so I do that. But I'm always keen to make sure that I'm still being humanidocious. And like the, the, the trustee thing with Gervais, you know, to me, people are people. The job is to get people with epilepsy better care. So that's, that's, that's where I'm at. What do you find is that one of the biggest challenges in your role? Is it finding the families that need the most help? Is it politics? Is it money? It is time. Right. So, um, I'm, again, if you look at the private thing versus the, the public thing, right? So I would always try and spend as much time with a family as needed it in, in my NHS job. But of course, 
I had a lot of, I had like 400 children and I had four days a week. So there was a lot going on there um, and clinics and things. Whereas actually my private work's like, oh, you'd like to see me for the day and I'll come and we'll spend six hours talking about your child's epilepsy. If that's what we need to do, that's what we'll do. Um, so that meant that, you know, so time is a massive factor. It always is, right? Secondly, um, playing with others. So you've, you, the problem is, is this is a team sport, right? Supporting someone with, with medical stuff. So you need to be able to pass the ball off to various people to say, your turn, this is your bit. And so mm-hmm. in teams where you've got that, that's fantastic. And where parents play very active roles or are able to play very active roles. Um, so the teamwork thing's important. And sometimes being independent, people are a bit less willing to talk to you and work with you because they're a bit like, well, you're not NHS. It's really interesting. People say to me every day, oh, who do you work for? I say, I don't work for the NHS. And they all go, ooh. Um. Ooh. <laughs> he doesn't, he's a nurse who doesn't work for the NHS. People said to me, oh, he's striking. I'm an RCN nurse. I'm a Royal College of Nursing nurse. I'm not, I don't work for the NHS. I, I, I don't believe in that, firstly. But secondly, I wasn't working for the people that were having the strike because I'm not paid by the NHS. I'm not paid by the government. I'm paid by other situations. I was. So the point is, is like, this is about new healthcare as well. So as healthcare moves on, because things are changing, it'll be a question of looking at what that looks like. Um, but so time resources are a massive factor here um and this is where the epilepsy charities are really helpful you know giving us free publications free leaflets um giving us lots of their time and doing lots of research but yeah time resources teamwork um but other than that you know it's attitudinal i worry a lot about the people i do not see so as you've always got loads of people who are going we want to talk to you we want to talk to you we want to talk to you it's the 80 20 rule you spend eight percent of your time on 20 percent of your patients not because they're the most severe but because they're the ones that can speak up right so what what you've got to do is try and advocate for the people that can't so when you've got someone who doesn't speak english when you've got someone who who isn't able to access who isn't able to get on the bus and come to the hospital who isn't able they're the ones you cycle to their house with an interpreter not with the interpreter on your bike and then you go unless a tandem and then you go okay let's you know let's do it so I think uh, I'm, a, I'm a lover of creative thinking in the sense that if there's a problem in front of me, I like to smash through it. So I, I'm a great believer that reaching hard to reach people is a really important part of our job to create equality in healthcare. Because otherwise we're not being equal, are we? We're just sitting waiting for people and that's lazy. What we need to do is allocate time to make sure we meet the needs of the most difficult people. I, I rode to a kebab shop once to see a dad who refused, who couldn't come to clinic because he worked really hard. I thought you were going to say because he was getting a really decent kebab he had to wait for. Well, I was hopeful. Um, the, the, the key thing is, is I like cycled like 12 miles into North London to go and see this guy on my bike to go see him and say, we need to talk about your daughter and her epilepsy. So we went and had a chat about it. And that was the most meaningful thing because that was the missing piece of the puzzle was he just couldn't get on board with what was happening. It's very complicated. And he needed someone to front up and say, let's talk. And I'm not giving you the opportunity to hide behind work or or rightly be at work. So I just went and we had a long chat in a private room and that really helped. So I think you've got to, it's attitudinal. You've got to be willing to look at the problem and say, how do I solve it? And how do I use my own resources to get there? Well, I love that attitude. And no doubt that is helping you reach out to those who sometimes need the help the most because they can be the quietest. Um, the families can be the quietest. Absolutely. And, and we mentioned briefly in our chat before how, you know, we don't want people to be quiet, and you know, often 
unintentionally and then get worse <clears throat> their health get worse you need to see them the earlier the better and bear in mind that, that very often when people with really bad epilepsy are having a really bad time that's when their families don't have a chance to say i'll ring i'll do this i will write that email i've been meaning to write i'll do that letter i know from having three children that i'm often under a pile of that actually trying to get anything conducive done when you're meeting the immediate needs of someone. And so actually, if you've got a professional who's proactive and says, hey, you know what? I saw that that child came to A&E the other day. So I used to get like a weekly list from the hospital, right, that I asked for. And then I would ring up and go, is everything okay? Are you all right? So proactive. Or like, you know, and people like text conversations, because in the end, however people communicate, as long as you know they're there, you know, raising your flag and saying, I'm here, speak to me is one thing. If you have the ability to be able to go out and actually go to people and knock on the door and go, I'm here, this is me. If you need me, I'm here. And if you want me to come to you or you want to come to me, then let's do that. But just get in touch. So I think it's really good to open yourself up um, in lots of ways and understand that not everyone has the ability to just get up and come to you. Thank you to Neil for making us giggle, but rather more importantly, providing us with insight into the many responsibilities of an epilepsy nurse and the benefits that they bring to the lives of people and families affected. More health trusts, hospitals and insurance companies need to recognise and value the epilepsy specialist nurse because they are invaluable. If you'd like to connect, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook or Instagram. And I'd love to hear from you if you have any thoughts about today's show. Please subscribe to Epilepsy Sparks Insights on your podcast app so that you will never miss the weekly episode. I'm Tori Robinson. Thanks for listening.